Welcome to a podcast from St. Stephen's Episcopal Church in McKeesport, PA, the friendly church in the heart of town since 1885. We're located at the corner of Walnut Street and 8th Avenue in downtown McKeesport. We invite you to join us this Sunday for worship at 8 a.m. or 10 a.m. For more information, visit us at stephensmckeesport.com or find us on Facebook. Our celebrant today is the Reverend David Kinsey, and our guest organist is Carolyn Slaw. Gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Now after John the Baptist was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Christ. opportunity to serve a church for 25 years in Cannonsburg. And after 25 years, I thought it would be good for me to leave the church to get some fresh ideas in the church. We had a marvelous congregation. Uh, People still don't believe to this day that in 25 years, we never had an argument in the vestry. Uh, We did have some intense fellowship occasionally, uh, but we got along very, very well. And it was a very sad day in my life when I left that church. But I felt God wanted me to do something else, and I, I started looking at what I could do to help churches. And I, I made a deal with God. You know, we're always making deals with God. And I said, God, would, if you'll give me the time and the knowledge, I would like to write a book. And for the next six months, my wife and I traveled to over 150 different church services. Now that's pretty easy to do today because there are some churches that have services uh, four and five on a Sunday, two and three on a Saturday, Wednesday night, Tuesday night. Uh, when I had the opportunity with my wife in uh, somewhere in the mid 80s, uh, do you remember when Billy Graham came to Pittsburgh? It was his last visit to Pittsburgh. 
Uh, we volunteered to sing in the choir, and there were 5,000 of us, and it was just a, it was just a wonderful uh, a moment. Uh, and Ann Rogers Melnick, who is a pastor, or not, she's a, a writer, religious writer, she belongs to Trinity in Washington, Trinity Episcopal Church, Anglican Church. And uh, she wrote and she said that there are, in southwestern Pennsylvania, 65 different denominations. I found that staggering. I couldn't, to this day, I probably could only maybe name 18 or 19, but 65. Uh, and so it was easy for my wife and I to go around uh, and, and look at churches. We looked at powerfully successful churches. We looked at churches that looked like they were going to close. Uh, and when I saw something intriguing, I'd always take pictures of the church, and I would always interview the clergy, thinking at some point I could put together a program that would benefit churches. I found a number of things that was rather interesting, uh, and it was at that time in my life and in my, my research, I, I discovered that on a monthly basis in North America, 150 churches close. On a, on a yearly basis in North America, 4,000 clergy leave the pastorate. They're either burned out or very discouraged with their particular profession. I also found out another rule, I call it a 20-20-60 rule. 20% of the people in a church or any secular uh, uh, function, like the uh, Knights of Columbus or the, or the uh, Masons or, uh, uh, or Salvation Army, 20% of the people do all the work. And you've heard that comment, well, the same people are always doing the same thing. That's never going to change. The next 20% are people who are on the sidelines that if you ask them to do something, they would be more than happy to do that. And they will come in and work their hearts out, and then they, will be, they, they, they complete their task, and then they leave. And then there's 60% that don't care whether the thing folds or, or grows or does anything. They, in fact, they're just card, they call card-carrying members. Uh, in the process of watching this, uh, studying these various churches, uh, I, I noticed that uh, uh, I went to one church. Uh, I, I thought I had pulled into the Macy's parking lot, and I thought it was kind of like a 24-hour sale. People were literally getting out of their cars and running to get a good seat. Now, in that particular church, and all those powerful churches that are growing, whether, no matter what size they are, you don't get a chance to sit in the back unless you stand back there and wait till the front gets filled up because the ushers run you right up to the front. And people want to go up in the front of the church. And I'm not making any comments for anybody sitting in the back of the church today. I don't get nervous. <laughs> Uh, but in this other church, I, I, I found very fascinating. Um, the reason they, they started the church is, is sometimes the hierarchy of the church thinks they knows all the answers. And they think, this is what you need. Well, this church that started with 12 people went around the neighborhood and they knocked on their doors. They had badges identifying themselves. And they asked two questions. The first question was, do you attend a church actively? And if the response was yes, 
they would say, thank you very much, God bless you, and they would hand them uh, a, a picture of what, the, what they were all about. If they said no, the second question was rather interesting. If you had an opportunity to go to a church, what would you look for? What would you like to see in the church? That particular church grew from 12 people to 5,000 in two years because they developed a program based on the needs of the people. In that particular church, you may have in the choir on one Sunday morning, 10 people. They have a full orchestra. In that particular church, they don't, the choir doesn't take off June, July, and August because they're tired of singing. Because the next Sunday, there may be 100 people in the choir. So there, there's always that change. Uh, and, and, you, and you go to the church because you, you, you're going to expect something different. Uh, and and that's, that's what our scripture was about, is about today. I love the fact that uh, the most common thing that people say when the church uh, leadership comes to you and says, will you uh, be a part of something? And the standard answer from so many people, uh, you know, I just don't have the time. Maybe you have said that and you're like, well, you know, I, I would like to do that, but I, I just don't have the time. The interesting thing about that scenario is we always have time to do what we want to do, but sometimes we don't have the time to do what other people would ask us to do. Now, in our scripture today, John the Baptist was just put in prison, and I would have thought that Jesus would have gone and released him, but he didn't. And he went and he saw these men that were fishing. Or they were fishermen. And he just went to them and he just made a simple comment, follow me. Now, now I don't think scripture says anything about Andrew or Simon Peter saying, well, how much time is this going to take? What's it going to cost me? He just said, follow me. If, Jesus, if they would have asked that question, if Jesus asked you that question, and you say to him, how much time is this going to take? I'm going to tell you what Jesus' answer is going to be. All of it. If you're going to be a Christian, if you're going to be a rock-solid follower of Jesus Christ, it takes all of your time. You cannot be a part-time Christian in today's marketplace. You can't use God as a credit card and just plug it into whatever bank or whatever machine and say, I need this, God. I'm, I'm in the hospital. I need, I need cared for. I need, I need to help you, have you quit, help me quit smoking. We, we have a tendency to go to God for so many things, but when he says, follow me, well, I'll start tomorrow. You know, we're going on our diet tomorrow. I'm going to quit smoking tomorrow. Tomorrow is the answer that most of us give. But the thing that, 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 that kind of made me nervous in my study was this terminology, mechanical Christians. I have seen, and I say this very respectfully, because I have a lot of Roman Catholic friends. I have a lot of Roman Catholic priests that I kind of hang out with. When I see people, not all people, when I see people say the rosary, 
They say it so fast that I wonder in my mind if they know what they're saying. I have seen priests, and I say this very respectfully, I have seen priests read from the scripture or read the lectionary or the missal so fast that you almost can't keep up. I have heard people say the Lord's Prayer so fast that they do it because they're just mechanically driven. I, I, I was making a deal with God one day. I was driving down the highway. And I said, you know, God, I just don't have time to pray anymore. You know, we always, we, we, we work deals with God. You know? It's kind of like a barter. When I drive the car, I pray a lot. Uh, especially the people who wave at me because I'm doing a speed limit. And when I drive down the highway, I get an opportunity, without the radio being on, to, to think about what it is God has done for me and what, what I can do for him. And one day I said, you know, God, I, I just don't have enough time to pray. I said, I'll make you a deal. Why don't you wake me up tomorrow morning at 3 o'clock a.m. and I'll say my prayers. The next morning at 3 o'clock in the morning, my eyes went open and I'm thinking to myself, what am I doing awake at 3 o'clock in the morning? I looked at the clock and then I remembered this deal that I made with God. And that's when I say my prayers. If any of you are out partying at 3 o'clock in the morning, you can rest assured that I'm laying in that bed saying, uh, saying prayers. And when I say the Lord's Prayer personally, it may take me 15 minutes. It may take me 30 minutes just to say my prayers. It may take me three minutes. But there's a time that I have set aside. I don't want to be a mechanical Christian. When I say the prayers of the people, when I do any part of the missile, I try to read it as slowly, as passionately as I can. I had a talk with Jeff and Ethel last Sunday in the Undercroft. And they said, what would you like us to do? By the way, I, I'm, just, I'm just overwhelmed by the, the acolytes and the lay readers and the Eucharistic. You have such a foundation to build on. And I said, let me tell you something. I feel bad for, for these people that have to deal with a, a new priest on a regular basis. Because some priests are pretty persnickety. You know, they, they don't touch that wafer, you're going to die. You know, this, I mean, it's just it's kind of crazy. And I say that very respectfully because they, they've probably got more faith than I do. But I said, my job as your priest is to stand at that altar and to stand here in the middle of this church and, 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 and set the stage for you to worship in comfort. I don't want you to sit there thinking, I wonder what he wants me to do next. I don't want the lay readers, the Eucharist minister thinking, oh, I can't touch that, he'll, he'll yell at me. No, no. Their job and our job is to set the stage so that you can worship in tremendous comfort. So that when you leave here, you feel good about what happened. I love the story that follows, follow me, and they just picked up their nets and followed, followed Jesus. You know, I'm going to tell you what your priorities in life should be. Your first priority in life is to love God. Your second priority is to love your spouse. Remember that story about Jesus, do you love me more than these? We read that a couple of months, a couple of weeks ago. 
Do you love me more than Do you love me more than you love your wife or your husband? God's first. I, he has to be first. Number two is your spouse. Number three is your children. Number four is your workplace, wherever you are employed. And number five is yourself. And if you can keep that in order, you will be a rock-solid Christian. You will not be a mechanical Christian. You'll be a rock-solid Christian. Because when Jesus comes to you and says, and you say to him, how much time is it going to take? He says, all of it. You say, praise God, I'm ready to serve you. I love the story that follows this gospel today about the leper. We were talking about the leper this morning. I have no idea what leprosy was all about. There's all kind of perceptions of, of what it was. People's feet would, would their, their toes would fall out, their fingers would fall, and they would go to a colony to die. had have been a t- terrible disease. And Jesus was walking through this roadway one day, and this leper was standing on the side of the road and said, Jesus, will you touch me? Now, in those days, you never touched a leper, ever, because it was that contagious. But this leper looked at Jesus and said, Jesus, will you touch me? And Jesus touched him and he healed him. Jesus wants to touch you. He wants your heart so filled with your love for him and his father that you will never in your life say again, I don't have the time. This church and this community is counting on you to be Jesus Christ in this church and in the marketplace. Don't fail him. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of life. We thank you that we are made in your image. Thank you for being patient with us. We pray that we might stand forward forward and receive your presence in our heart simply because we've invited you there. We might live the life of an example of Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to a podcast from St. Stephen's Episcopal Church in McKeesport, PA. Our celebrant today was the Reverend David Kinsey, and our guest organist was Carolyn Slaw. We invite you to join us this Sunday for worship at 8 a.m. or 10 a.m. For more information, visit us at stephensmckeesport.com or find us on Facebook. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.